0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Scarlet and Brown Stories. This is Amelia Jancy with my co-host, Beth Dixon.
1: Hi, how are you doing, Amelia?
0: I'm good. It's almost the holiday. Well, it is the holidays it now. It is the holidays. You know, I'm very we're
1: very excited.
0: <laughs> you all can't see us out there, but both Beth and I are sporting some lovely seasonal red plaid today. Listen, we understood the assignment, which was
1: to represent the North Country <laughs> and the holiday season in one package. From uh, about seven hours apart, because I'm in New York City.
0: That's <laughs> true. You abandoned the North Country for for that big city lifestyle.
1: It's true. I did. I I did. But you know, something I'm not forgetting about is the fact that at the time of us recording, it hasn't happened. But by the time of the podcast release, the 100th candlelight
0: service will have already happened. And I'm very excited about Mm -hmm. this. If I remember correctly, Beth, Candlelight was a really big part of your student experience at St. Lawrence.
1: It really was. Being a member of the Laurentian Singers meant that every year I got to sing as a part of Candlelight for the exception of the semester I was abroad. But then when I worked as an employee for the university on campus, I got to be a part of the university chorus and sing and got to be a part of the procession of singing e got to sing a few different kinds of songs when I was there. So I think I've performed in about eight different candlelight services in my life, but I love them very much. I hope that if you weren't able to attend in person that you were able to watch the live stream. It is such a special ceremony and tradition on campus. And I know I will be lighting my candle from home (laughs) and joining in with the singing.
0: Very exciting. Well, speaking of exciting, we have a really exciting conversation coming up with Andy Chan, class of 2014. Andy is such a
1: wonderful young leader in our community. And I can't wait to hear all about what his history has been with St. Lawrence and what he hopes to continue to do because he is a board of trustee member
0: as well. Well, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right in. Welcome, Andy. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Andy, we really wanted to start off partly because you know, you're such an involved Laurentian and have been involved in so many ways since your graduation. Uh, You've been part of Laurentians in Residence. I believe you were on our SLU Connect Live program last year, and uh, you're also a trustee. And so we were sort of curious, what other ways have you been involved and what has inspired you to be so engaged with the university?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So other than kind of what you've mentioned, oftentimes students will reach out to me. So I'd say maybe once every other week, a couple times a month, give some career advice, help folks out who are a little bit nervous about upcoming interviews. But we all wind up where we're supposed to, and they all end up doing a great job. So super, super happy to support wherever I can. As far as why continue to give back to the university and kind of give back time, is uh, there have been phenomenal people, faculty, staff, that I've made such a large mark on my life. Um, and I feel it's, you know, it's my obligation as Laurentian to make sure that the next generation of students gets the same thing. So Dr. Bansack and Dr. Chisholm, um and, and actually Lynn Fox played a huge role in my life in the economics department. Uh, I played in a funk band with Larry Boyette. That was a fantastic experience as well. And then actually some of my fellow trustees, um, in particular Ed Keller and Cheryl Granfield, they were the ones who helped me land my first job and get an internship in the New York City semester. So, I mean, that's that's only a few names off the top of my head, but again, the, the power of Laurentian Connections is real. And so I want to be as active as I possibly can in that.
1: You know, I, I have the opportunity to work with the New York City semester program now, and it is so amazing to see the students come and really interact with the greater Laurentian community for the first time sometimes. Um, was that the first time you were connected with Laurentians or did you take advantage of getting involved with the alum community as a student before you went on the New York City semester?
2: Yeah, so Coach coach Bob Derosier. Uh, introduced us to a lot of the alumni on the men's soccer team. It's actually really neat to meet some of the guys who were on the '99 national championship team, and they were great role models for us throughout throughout my time at Saint Lawrence.
1: It's fantastic. Yeah, I think that that early exposure to learning about how um, connected the university is, even like once you've graduated. The, the love and the connection that our alums have. Um, being exposed to that early in your St. Lawrence career, I think sets you up for that networking experience as you're a student. And then when you're a young alum as well.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. You mentioned that you've uh, you're in touch with students who come to you for sort of career advice. Um, and I'm curious, like, do you end up staying in touch with these students? Have you seen where they've ended up or seeing sort of the fruit of, of that connection and that advice that you were able to give them pay off?
2: Yeah, Absolutely. Kind of on a a side note, when I was at St. Lawrence, I was, again, studied economics. I never knew technology was going to be a route for me. It's where I ended up having most of my career to this point. And uh, I met a couple of students who were in the computer science department who asked me, hey, Andy, you know, you never learned how to code while you were in school. You're an economics major. How did you break into this field? And I asked them the reverse question. I was like, wait a second. You know, I know nothing about coding. You're ready to go in the tech field. Why aren't you going? Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple folks that I've spoken to in that realm who I keep in touch with at least monthly, quarterly, or who are doing great working at companies like eBay, Google, Apple. It's amazing, you know where, where they end up and how St. Lawrence prepares you for these things.
0: Before we move on any any more into our conversation, I'm, I' was wondering if you could just give us a really brief recap, you know, what the shape your life has taken since graduation to get you to where you are today.
2: Sure. I always joked the most important thing that happened to me at St. Lawrence was meeting my wife.
0: Um so we
2: graduated together in 2014. And um, Sam has played a huge role in who I am today, support-wise, um, personally, you know, as a partner in life. She's been great. And uh, it, it's kind of serendipitous. I don't know what the statistic is today, but it ends up being I think a lot of Laurentians end up getting married. So I'm in that bucket now. <laughs> And uh, so since moving down here um, professionally, I've worked in a wide range of entrepreneurial software ventures. So everything from financial technology to artificial intelligence. Oh, wow. I've gotten a couple extra degrees after St. Lawrence. I uh, got a master's in analytics from Johns Hopkins. And I recently got my MBA from Duke um, in their weekend executive program. And uh, I'm also in the process of launching my own company with a Classmate of mine from Duke. The name of the company is Track Record Health, and what we do is we automate compliance activities for uh, ambulatory surgery centers. Oh wow So been a very busy bee, going <laughs> to school, you know, trying to start my own company, working a full time job. But again, yeah. St. Lawrence is a great place to learn how to learn, and that mm-hmm. skill set is uh, is never going to go away. For
0: sure. What inspired you to sort of develop your own company?
2: I've always been a, uh, a person who honestly doesn't like to take direction from other people. Uh, <laughs> so there's this element of independence that I really like. But at the same time, jokingly, right, it's, it's also about building a team mm-hmm. and surrounding yourself with folks who can make up for some of the weaknesses or shortcomings you may have. And so to take on a problem in the market and build an amazing team is something that's really appealing to me. And that that was one of the main reasons I wanted to go to business school as well, is to combine my background in technology with this interest that I continue to have in entrepreneurship.
1: What was your, just out of curiosity, what was your internship on the New York City semester and how did that potentially impact what you wanted to do after St. Lawrence?
2: So I interned with Ed Keller at Morgan Stanley in the prime brokerage division. And so there I learned a lot about the hedge fund industry, but in particular, I learned a lot about alternative investments. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, venture capital, private equity was starting to generate outsized returns relative to the market. And so people um, in the investment community were looking to get more exposure to that. Now, I'll be very honest, I didn't know maybe three quarters of what was being said to me, but I was just (laughs) being a sponge, right? Writing down all the words and looking them up online when I got home. And uh, it was a really neat, fast-paced environment. New York City was was a great place to be kind of in, in my later years at St. Lawrence.
1: And did that help guide you? Did you want to go into hedge funds? I mean, I know that you're more on the tech side of things and there's plenty of opportunities in tech and, and hedge funds and such. Did you marry those experiences with your first job?
2: I tried to get into the investment banking and hedge fund industry first thing out of school. Again, Laurentians opened a lot of doors me but it ended up being I just didn't have the technical chops for it Uh, I didn't have enough of a background in accounting and some of these other things but by happenstance you know my senior year I had a couple of classmates and I went to the University of Michigan to do a stock pink competition Mm. and somehow we found our way into Forbes Hmm. uh, because we had this really dramatic story of right before this competition the stock we picked dropped something like 60 or 70 percent and we were scrambling on our way out to Michigan in the car, freaking out, trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> and we pitched it anyways, and uh, things went really well. We got media coverage around it. So my teammates, let's see, it was Vasilios, Pete, and uh, Justin. It was, a, it was a really funny story. I think we'll all remember.
1: That must have been uh, very exciting and a little stressful. <laughs>
2: <Just> yeah. <that. laughs> and, and so actually, the funny thing about it was when we did that pitch right before we left, that's when Cheryl Granfield and some of the trustees, they, they caught wind of it and said, hey, we want to listen to this pitch of yours. We want to give you some feedback. And so they saw the pitch. They thought we were great. They ended up, I think, hooking us up with a lot of our first job opportunities from that pitch and from that whole media coverage. And so it was by accident that I stumbled into technology through kind of my interest in investing. Um, because Cheryl ultimately made the introduction to the to the first software company I worked in.
1: And what was the first software company? What was your main responsibility? Because if I remember correctly, I when I met with you a few years ago down in North Carolina, I believe you then said that you helped open the door for somebody else from St. Lawrence to come work at either your first or your second job.
2: Yeah. So my first job, I worked at a company called Sageworks. They were acquired a couple of years back by Excel KKR, but they specialized in financial risk management software. So I helped them build a business valuation software tool pretty much from scratch with another software engineer and, and an intern. And so it was kind of like my first year out of St. Lawrence. And at the time they were hiring pretty rapidly. So I, I hired, you know, there's another St. Lawrence student year behind me who I knew pretty well, I was looking for a job and we got him in, interviewed well, fit right in with the crew.
1: Is that something that you believe that the St. Lawrence community does really well, is interviewing and, uh, and connecting people? Or do you think that that's something that we should be working on as a community? Is We're good at connecting, but maybe we need to brush up on
2: interviewing skills. Every student that I've interviewed and hired, actually, I just recently hired another St. Lawrence student Oh wow, I'm uh, awesome. like working now. Yeah, uh, he just graduated. His name's Jeff Yawn. He, and by the way, he came into Avalara and knew he'd nothing just like me, right? I looked at him, I was like, You look just like me when I, I do nothing about software, how to develop it, how to be a product manager. But you're really smart and you learn fast. And you came in and he's and he's crushing it right now. It's um, awesome. Yeah. So it's if you study hard, you know, you get good references from the professors. That's usually how I find these top St. Lawrence students. They always come in and do really well. Interview well, execute well, learn quickly. Everyone I've hired, I think, is a really strong career potential.
0: What do you think it is about the St. Lawrence experience that prepares students to go into the professional world and succeed that way?
2: I I think one is that eagerness to learn and willingness to try different things that's unique to the liberal arts experience, right? When I look back at my own experience, who else at a technical school, let's say, could claimed they played in a funk band, you know, studied <laughs> economics, and then took art classes. and played Take that, album.
0: Clarkson. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: You, you kind of learn to be a jack of all trades, which is, particularly in the technology industry, is super valuable. And not only that, you learn how to develop really good relationships with people with all walks of life and, and different interests. Yeah. And in the technology sphere, you're merging these really technical software engineers These really design-centric, artistic people, and then sales and marketing and Mm -hmm. trying to drive business value at the same time. It's a confluence of a lot of very, very different people and personalities.
0: Oh, sure. That's like totally different languages that these people speak.
2: (laughs) So they desperately need what we call product managers right? Right. who bridge the gap between the tech side and then the the marketing, sales, et cetera side, if you go to market side. And that's where the gap where I think a lot of St. Lawrence graduates can fill really, really well again, because of their exposure to a diversity of different topics.
1: You know, you bring up the, you know that role that is kind of the liberal arts role, as I like to call them in companies. And a lot of times, those are not the roles that a lot of people are aware of when you think about any given field, when you're thinking about law or tech or finance, communications and those kind of fields. Do you have suggestions of how St. Lawrence students and young alums can learn more about those roles or find uh, those roles when they're looking for job opportunities? Because like you said, I think they're uniquely uh, suited for the kinds of experiences students have at St. Lawrence.
2: I can't speak for the bigger companies because I've never worked at a company more than 5,000 people. It seems like a lot of people, but in the Mm -hmm. grand scheme of things, it's not that big. If you're looking for kind of a utility player, versatility role, Actually, there is a great website out there called Mm TechCrunch, and they really focus on kind of the venture private equity community and what companies they're investing in. And so these are high growth startups or companies that have already been funded that are scaling really quickly. I think that's where liberal arts folks, especially St. Lawrence students thrive, Mm -hmm. because even though your job title there is XYZ, you're going to be expected and have to do something that's completely unrelated to it. And that's where your skill set's going to come in. So looking at job postings there, I'd say in a product management capacity, marketing or sales capacity, if you're more technical, maybe in like a data analyst or programming capacity, that is a, is a great place to start.
1: Absolutely. And I also find that anytime that, you know, people who are good at working with people, you have those client success manager kind of roles, like, Absolutely. if you want to be representative of the company that you're working for, but work with clients, maybe not in a sales capacity, mm-hmm. um, those kind of roles also look really great for those liberal arts backgrounds. <laughs> exactly.
0: Are you good with people? <laughs>
1: yeah. Exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah. And it's sort of interesting talking about you know, these themes uh, of community in the professional sphere. Uh, but I'm sort of curious as to, you know, you obviously, you mentioned your wife, but sort of what role has the Laurentian community played in your life on the more personal side of
2: things? Some of my best friends to this day are, are St. Lawrence grads. I think we've got all the weddings checked off at this point. <laughs> uh, it's For just, this year, just,
1: wait until next year.
2: Yeah. I think, yeah, everybody actually in like the closest group, is now married okay. um, and the kids are slowly starting. To oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so the baby showers and some of that's the next phase of this. Um, and then probably the second and third kids possibly depending on where we choose to go. And then the most exciting part starts where, you know, you as Uncle Andy and Auntie Sam get start corrupting kids. So I'm really I'm oh, looking yes. forward to that. Uh, telling all the embarrassing stories of the parents.
0: I'm that sure is, they will be
1: thrilled. Right. That is the responsibility, of course. Yes, The, the college friends always have to keep the parents in check. I think that's, you know, the most important thing I've learned.
2: That's right.
0: Well, and I know for, for a lot of people and like in my own life, too, sort of the importance of community was really, really shown to have so much power over the last couple of years as, you know, we went through the pandemic. Um, and so I'm sort of curious as to how, if at all, did those Laurentian connections, those best friends, did they play a role in the last two years in navigating this unprecedented time?
2: Absolutely. You can always rely on those folks to have a good laugh. And also have a really good intellectual conversation with when you need it, right? So I I think about one of my roommates, Riley. You know, I I usually call him up once every couple months, and we always reminisce. And my face hurts after we get off (laughs) or after we get off the call. He's one of the ones with a kid coming along, by the way. So I'm really excited Uh. for that. I know I have another great friend, Garrett, who used to be like an econ nerd with me all the time. (laughs) So we're exchanging texts all the time, and we read stuff in the journal or. Bloomberg or wherever, trying to make predictions about the future. (laughs) Most of the time we're wrong, but it's fun nonetheless you need the people that kind of keep your mind engaged and your soul and your heart happy to get through it. And I think when you supplement it with family, you, know, you can get through anything. For sure. I love uh,
1: you just said, keep your mind engaged and your, and your soul and your heart happy, because I really truly feel like that's what I think of my different friend groups, whether they were from the Laurentian singers or people from my first year program, people I was in admissions working in, as an ambassador with, people I studied abroad in London with. I mean, they all have different ways that they engage engaged my mind as well as my heart, and my soul. Do you feel like it was the same thing for you between soccer and slew funk and all these different things? Like, do your friend groups kind of all come from different areas of campus? Or are they traditionally like, oh, I, I'm really close with my soccer friends? Or
2: They're from every corner of campus, <laughs> every, every different thing. We almost got a slew funk reunion kind of like, get together together but it ended up being people were distributed too far away from each other so Maybe one day that'll happen during reunion or something. I don't think we'll sound as good as we used to. What but...
1: instrument <laughs> do you play or, or did you sing or?
2: I played the alto sax and I oh, nice. uh, I'm also grass. an
1: alto sax. So
2: <laughs> section, yes. Yeah, and you know, the coolest thing we actually did as a band was we opened for Grace Potter when she- That's
1: so right. cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah. in 2014.
2: She graduated with me. She got an honorary degree, yes. Yeah. So talk about another great memory. That's right when Thrift Shop by Mapplemore came out. And there is this awesome saxophone line in that song. And I remember me and my buddy Evan were in the closet of Leethead warming up, (laughs) playing that and making a harmony. And all of a sudden, like the band members from Grace Potter slowly started trickling in (gasps) and adding to it. And I was like, this is unreal. This is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me in my life.
1: Oh my God. (laughs)
2: At that moment, I was almost like, I want to drop going to school and just tour with these guys. (laughs) Again, another
1: Laurentian connection. (laughs) Yeah,
2: exactly. And uh, I remember telling that to my mom (laughs) the the night after, and she's just like,
0: No. (laughs) This is not a question? Absolutely
2: not. No, 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 she didn't say anything else but no, and then change the topic.
0: That's so funny. That's an amazing
1: memory, though. That's fantastic. That is pretty amazing. Have you ever been able to see her perform since?
2: I haven't. I wish I was able to see her. I've heard her. I mean, her performance at St. Lawrence was amazing. But to be in a crowd with thousands of other people, I'm sure, is just a completely different, awesome experience. Always a great experience, of course.
0: Yeah. And So, you know, now that we're, we're talking a little bit about your student experience and, you know, you clearly were involved in so many ways as a student, what made you choose St. Lawrence in the first place?
2: Great question. St. Lawrence wasn't even on the radar for me initially. <laughs> so in my senior year, I got selected for an all-star game in our high school for recruiting purposes. And Coach Bob was there. Coach Bob DeRocher, and he recruited me to come to St. Lawrence, and a couple weeks later he said, hey, just come up campus. Let campus, let me show you around. And Coach Bob, he pretty much spent half the day with me and my mom when we visited, showing me every mm-hmm. nook and cranny of the athletic facility. He knew everyone's name on campus, was introducing them to me. It, it was amazing, and I remember I did my overnight there, the team was great, loved the campus, loved the environment. And it was within, you know, those twelve hours that I was sold that I felt like home and I didn't want to leave after we got back in the car to go back down to Albany. So Coach Bob is the reason I went, the reason why I continue to stay engaged. And he's he's had such a huge influence on my life. Everything from you know the importance of relationships to maintaining connections and just like day to day discipline on how to become successful i'll give you a little tidbit on him i remember my first day practicing with the team we used to have kind of like these little belts that you put your training like shirts socks whatever and then you'd throw it in the in the basket and then there was a gentleman who would wash and dry everything for all the sports team and coach would always get on us and say when you put your stuff in the wash don't Put it in inside out. And I thought about it. And I was like, that's weird. He, he particularly said this after games when, like, when our nice jerseys and everything, right? And I thought it was odd. And so one day, when I was walking by the washer and dryer, I saw that some of the other teams did that. And some of the folks in there had to spend all the time to reverse all the jerseys and to reverse all the shorts. So coach never explicitly said why he did it, but I know why now. And it was because you're making that person's life easier. They were doing something for you. You So you didn't have to do laundry. You could go back and study or have fun with your friends. Mm -hmm. It's a seemingly small thing at scale can take up. A lot of someone's time and that's time away from their family or things they love to do so if you can take a second out of your day to make someone's life easier you should like 100 percent do it so Mm -hmm. it's little lessons like that that coach taught me over the years that just stuck with
1: i love that kind of thing that's exactly you know the same kind of lessons that i hear more often than not you know the i was at dinner with an alum a few years ago and I'll never forget them saying I will always judge somebody by how they treat the white staff. I don't care if they're the most powerful person in the room, the most powerful person in the room. If they aren't respecting the least powerful person in the room, then that's not somebody I want to do business with. And that kind of thing has always stuck with me, too.
2: Yeah, I 100 percent agree. And I actually often tell people folks that work for me, I was like, the janitor is equally as important as you. And sometimes it's a funny look because they see everything that happens in the office.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I remember when I was still working for Laurentian Engagement, that was really an important thing for us to keep in mind, especially, you know, given how many events, particularly those big ones like Reunion and Homecoming, that those campus partners are what makes Reunion run.
2: And especially during COVID, there are they, all the mm-hmm. folks who do maintenance or support or anything are the unsung heroes in all of this because they, they put a lot of stuff on the line to make sure that, you know, we could live our lives and we can host events and we can do things. So super thankful. I, I, I think everyone when I look at it doesn't matter what your title is or how many pieces of paper you have and what your name says or title next to it. You know, everyone's equally important, plays a role in everything. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Just that importance of human decency.
2: Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> it's, it's not a hard thing to do. <laughs> But
1: yet it is for some people. (laughs) Thankfully, it's not hard for Andy. That's what we appreciate. And one of the reasons why we're interviewing you today. So I would love to hear a little bit more about what it means to be a McCurdy Sprague trustee. This is maybe something that maybe a lot of younger alums don't know about. So do you want to talk a little bit about what that position means on the board of trustees and tell us a little bit about the experience that you've had so far?
2: Yeah. You're supposed to be the voice of the young alumni or recent grads and help steer the future of the university with that perspective in mind. Because I was already doing, like you had mentioned earlier, things like Laurentian's residence. I came back and I gave a TED Talk a couple of years ago. So this I saw as the ultimate honor to say, this is how you can cement your legacy and give back to the university. And I've only been to two meetings so far, but it's been absolutely phenomenal. You you see the other side of how the university is run and you really get to see amazingly accomplished and talented people who are graduates putting kind of their heart and soul into solving some of the highest and largest challenges in academia right now you know everything from handling finances to the strategic role of the university also they played a really large role in kind of shaping how the university handled COVID and making Mm -hmm. students were safe And so as a student, you never see what happens behind the curtains. But now that I see it from the other perspective, I see that we're in nothing but good hands. And I'm happy to give a different perspective and contribute to that.
0: What's been one of the? I mean, you mentioned you've only been to two meetings so far. uh, So, you know, you're fairly new in your tenure as, as a trustee. But in that short time, what has been one of the most meaningful experiences that you've had?
2: That is a great question. There's a trend right now in higher ed where the total pool of high school students Mm -hmm. that are eligible to go or who intend to go to college it's shrinking right And so it's becoming increasingly competitive to attract talent to go to the university. And I think St. Lawrence is uniquely positioned in some of its rankings, for example, to say, hey, this is one of the strongest alumni networks in the country. Seeing the board coalesce around strategic things like that, as opposed to just dealing with it like every other university would, just kind of say, we'll punt this thing down the road until it really becomes a problem. I really appreciate the foresight and thought that gets put into saying how do we position the university for success you know, not just this year, next year, but the next decade, two decades, century, right?
1: Yeah, that's a really important aspect there. You know, I agree with you. When I was a student, I had no idea of the kind of things that the university was thinking about, not just for the current students, but for the future students. And I always appreciate now that I work for the university, how much at the core of it is always the thought process of putting the student experience first. And we're thankful for the work that you are willing to do as uh, representing the young alums on the board of trustees to make those Decisions and forethoughts happen.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. It's been again. It's been an honor. Probably the most honorable thing I've been able to do on behalf of the university since I've, I've graduated. For sure.
0: I don't know if you've got other questions, Beth. I have one more that's come to mind, but.
1: Well, you know what I was thinking is we started off that we would ask every guest this, and we haven't, but I think that I'm going to ask you this, Hmm. Andy.
0: (laughs) This might be my same question. Is it?
1: Okay. (laughs) Well, we were thinking, having every guest answer this, but I think that you're the perfect person to answer it, which is if you had a million dollars to invest anywhere in St. Lawrence in any capacity, what would you do with that million dollars?
2: Oh boy! <laughs> Maybe I should caveat this by saying I am not representing the board of trustees when no, I no
1: no <laughs> probably we call that yes, no caveat. This is Andy as an individual okay. alumnus.
2: I think I'd invested in an off-campus, if not full experience, subsidy for every student in the student body mm-hmm. because I learned a lot of great things as a student in the classroom. And I also learned a lot of great things when I was at the New York City semester in the real world. And I think it's super valuable for every St. Lawrence student to be able to connect the two. St. Lawrence attracts students from all walks of life. Their families all have different amounts of resources that can be used to invest in those types of experiences. And Any sort of equity we can introduce into that process so that experience is attainable by anyone, I I think Mm -hmm. is huge.
0: For sure. That's such an important part of the St. Lawrence experience that you've touched on, you know, in the people that I've encountered, whether, you know, they studied abroad in London like Beth did or they participated in the Adirondack semester or the New York City semester, that there's just this thirst for knowledge that's come through and to see these sort of new ways to grow in ways that you never expected or saw coming. And every time I talk to people about those experiences, it just blows my mind, the quality of, of experience that they have.
1: I always think of college and university as almost adulting with training wheels, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, new marketing slogan. I say the same
2: thing to people. Yeah. yeah so.
1: it's, you know where your meals are coming from, you know where your roof is, you know, you have a very set schedule, um, but you have some flexibility and free time. You're still responsible for a lot of things, but a lot of things were also, especially at St. Lawrence where it's a residential campus, are still kind of catered to you. When you go off campus and a few of those variables change and sometimes now you're you're in charge of budgeting for the rest of the semester of how far am I going to be able to take this stipend every week? What is it like to try to have to walk across the city or try to speak a different language and connect with different people who aren't a part of my set community? You take some of those variables out and that's where the quote unquote real adulting begins. And I think that's such a valuable experience for
2: people. Talk about real adulting. So there's there's a couple aspects of that when I went down to New York. I remember I probably should have done more research than I did at the time, but I knew we were staying on the Upper East Side, which is supposed to be a really nice part of New York. I remember driving down there, being super (laughs) stoked, being like, oh, St. Lawrence put us in this really nice brownstone. We're going to be in this awesome community And, and all that. Don't get me wrong, where we stayed was great. There was a facility called the 92Y. There were people from every country in the world there. It was so cool to just sit down in the communal kitchen and and meet a whole bunch of people. I've met folks from Syria, from Afghanistan, from parts of Northern Europe and Asia. You never knew who you were going to meet. And it was all a transient population there too. So you were constantly meeting different people. But it was certainly different because it was a one gender and a whole floor. There were probably 20 or 25 rooms. Everyone shared one shower stall. There was a communal fridge where people weren't great about keeping it clean and stuff. So it was, it was different. Right? It wasn't Dana anymore. It wasn't the pub anymore. It was closer to real life, right? At least there's no mm-hmm. one training wheel left on the, on the bike. And then the whole budgeting part of it, too. I remember is that Sam and I had just started dating before I did this New York City semester. And like any kind of relationship that early on, things can be fragile if you're not around. But she would look me dead in the eye and said, Andy, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. It's such an amazing opportunity. You wouldn't get anywhere else. You have to go, which is one of the reasons why I knew she was going to be the one.
0: <laughs> Sounds like a keeper.
2: <laughs> but uh, I budgeted a lot of stuff while I was there. And one of the big things mm-hmm. was I wanted to take Sam out you know, on a nice date when she came down to visit me. Mm-hmm. And when I worked the numbers out and how expensive New York City was, I figured that I had to go to the grocery store downstairs and I could only eat lettuce and tuna fish out of the packet for a couple of weeks oh, no. so I could afford a date in New York City. And so that's what I did. And uh, that you know that was a really humbling experience and prepared me to be an entrepreneur. So you mm-hmm. can learn how to live on a shoestring budget so you mm-hmm. can go do something. In this case, it was you know, trying to convince this beautiful girl that I'm the one to stay with. <laughs> and, uh, I Now I hang it over her head. Now that, I, <laughs> now that Well,
0: it, your story I'm was cute great. right up until then, Andy. Yeah, that's <laughs> right,
2: that's right. Every time I tell that story, she rolls her eyes. and she goes, Oh, no, not this. Again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so oh, now she'll get to listen
1: to it on a podcast. Isn't right. that it's nice? It's
2: cemented now. <laughs> <in> history. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's so funny.
1: Next month, we'll be talking with Sam to hear her side (laughs) of things.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that we couldn't have ended the conversation in a more charming place. So unless you have any final thoughts or, or questions for us, Andy?
2: Yeah, first and foremost, thanks for putting this all together. I know this production is a really big effort, but I think it's a great way to... Show people a more personable side of the university, and show you know showcase great people who've graduated from this institution. I listened to some of the other ones; people are super impressive, super super impressive. As I echoed throughout the rest of the podcast, if there are any prospective students, parents, current students, parents, recent alumni who want to connect with somebody, get advice, learn about a new industry, just say hi and make a new friend. Find me. Online and I'm happy to do it.
1: Great! Can people find you on LinkedIn?
2: Yeah, that's actually a great way to get a hold of me. I don't Perfect. use other social media much anymore. LinkedIn is <laughs> like my go-to thing.
1: <laughs> Perfect. <Fine. laughs> if interested in connecting with Andy? You could do so on LinkedIn. Um, Andy Chan is who you're looking for. Great person, great alum, and a wonderful representation of the young alumni on the board of trustees. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today, and we are so excited to see all that you accomplish in the future. Thanks. Thank you, Andy. Well, that was such a great conversation with Andy Chan. I'm so excited that we had the opportunity to chat with him a little bit. He really is so impressive. <laughs> uh, what did you think, Amelia, about his need and willingness to be connected to the St. Lawrence community?
0: You know, I think what really struck me was how Andy has this wonderful balance of valuing the Laurentian community on both a professional level and what it's done for him and his career and the way he gives back and works with current students and stays involved at the university, but also this deeply personal aspect as well. You know, obviously he met his wife, Sam, at St. Lawrence, and that's just a great story. But also, you know, the amount of friends that clearly mean so much to both him and Sam. And I think that that really speaks to the heart. Of the Laurentian community that it's, it's so much more than caring about your career or, you know, what you do with it or how you give back to the university, but how, you know, it cares about who you are as a person and supports the whole person.
1: Yeah, I really think that he he mitigates that. How do you make the impact you want to make on the university while simultaneously understanding what the university's needs are? And he does that super well. And and we're so lucky to have him as a, a board of trustee member, a leader in our community, and our students are so lucky to honestly have him as a resource. As he said, you know, feel free to connect with him on LinkedIn. And I'm sure that he would love to
0: meet as many Laurentians that are willing to connect with him. Absolutely. With that, we would love to wish every Laurentian out there a very happy holiday season. Thank you so much. And we will see you in 2022.
1: Scarlet and Brown Stories is edited and produced by Amanda Brewer, Megan Fry-Dozier,
0: Dennis Morial, Beth Dixon, and Amelia Jancy. Our music was written by Christopher Watts, inspired by Eugene Wright, class of 49. Subscribe to Scarlet and Brown
1: Stories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: If you have a story you'd like to submit to us, you can email us at connect at